Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Garforth Education Podcast. My name is Dr. Catherine Garforth from Garforth Education, and I am very excited to introduce you to the simple view of orthographic mapping in this episode. Uh, the simple view of orthographic mapping is something that I came up with a few years ago as I was working on my course uh, reading development explained and orthographic mapping is a very complex process involving different areas of the brain and different processes and recognizing that the everyday person doesn't have a thorough understanding of neuroanatomy and that's perfectly okay and understandable it, it's very complex but also realizing that it's important for educators to understand that orthographic mapping is our goal when we are teaching reading and when we are working with beginning readers and any readers, because it's what we need in order to recognize a word almost instantly without effort. So the simple view of orthographic mapping is not intended to encompass all of the aspects of orthographic mapping. It is kind of mimicking what Tumner and Goff created when they created the simple view of reading, boiling it down to the simplest elements possible, but still being able to have a full understanding. So before I go into a lot of detail about the simple view of orthographic mapping, I did want to do a quick review of the simple view of reading, just so you can see how it compares. Now, if you want a deeper discussion on the simple view of reading, then you might want to go back and listen to season one, episode five of the Garforth Education podcast, where I go through the various literacy uh, views or frameworks that are available. Uh, so the simple view of reading has stood the test of time and has held up when we look at research. Goff and Tumner decided to boil things down of what we're really needing when we're looking at reading comprehension. And they felt that it was two things that were essential for reading comprehension to occur. They were word recognition and language comprehension. So the ability to recognize what the word says on the page and the ability to understand the spoken language are both essential elements needed for reading comprehension. Now, this isn't an addition formula. It's a multiplication formula. So if we look at an individual who is still not very good at reading words, it's going to impact their ability to understand what they're reading, even though they may have very good language comprehension. But because they can't recognize the words easily and fluently, they are going to suffer at their ability to understand a passage that they read compared to if they were just hearing it. 
Uh, now, if an individual struggles with both the language and understanding the language and recognizing the words, then it's going to have a bigger impact on the reading comprehension too. So when we multiply numbers by a decimal, they get smaller. The values of the word recognition and language comprehension are between zero and one. So they, are, if they are not good at it at all and can't do it, it's a zero. But then we get the decimal places that make either number smaller. So when it comes to looking at reading deeper and how we do it, we need to remember that learning to read is not a natural process. The 50 plus years of research that we've looked at brains and learning how to read with neuroimaging studies, we have learned that it isn't a national process. It's a biologically secondary process, meaning the brain isn't pre-wired to learn how to read. It needs to rewire itself in order to learn how to read. And that's okay because the human brain is amazing. It's plastic. It's designed to change and adapt as needed based on experiences. So what we want to do as educators, as individuals helping support those who are learning how to read is make this process as simple as possible because we want every word to be a sight word. And by that, I don't mean a word that has been memorized because that isn't the most efficient way to create a sight word. We want the sight word to be something that they have orthographically mapped and it is something that they can recognize within a fraction of a second. And once they can recognize it within a fraction of a second, it is considered orthographically mapped. And when the reader comes across it, they cannot help but read it. If you are watching this podcast instead of just listening to it online, when you're looking at the words on my slides, things to consider when you read that without even trying if you were a fluent reader. So as I said before, we need to do everything we can to help students orthographically map, and that needs to inform our teaching strategies. So let's take a deeper look at what I mean by orthographic mapping. And that is the process of connecting the print form of a word to its pronunciation and meaning. Once a student is able to do this consistently and with fluency, it's considered to be an orthographically mapped word that is known by sight. And the process of this is referred to or um, relates to the amalgamation theory, where we're connecting the print form of a word to its pronunciation and meaning to map it. Dr. Linnea Erhe is the one that came up with this uh, conceptualization of orthographic mapping uh, originally and looking at how it works. And according to what she has written, and this is a direct quote from a 2020 article of hers, and it says, according to amalgamation theory, when students learn to read and spell words, a visual alphabetic representational system for speech is acquired and used to store words in memory. 
letters and spellings come to penetrate and represent phonemes and pronunciations in the brain. And that is, you know, looking at it, what it, it means to orthographically map from someone who has a high level of understanding of cognition and the learning how to read process. So what I wanted to do was create a way that an individual can quickly reference instead of trying to understand the complex process, like the simple view of reading. I, I know this is somewhere where I start when I'm working with readers who are struggling with reading comprehension. I start out by using the simple view of reading to help figure out where the problem is. Is it with the word recognition or the language comprehension? So when I created the simple view of reading, sorry, the simple view of orthographic mapping to be similar to the simple view of reading, I did it in a very similar fashion where the pronunciation times the meaning times the spelling, when all those are complete and at the one level, we are able to have orthographic mapping. So the individual needs to know how to pronounce the word properly. They need to have heard it and been able to pronounce it on their own. They need to have the meaning of the word. So they need to have a thorough understanding of what it means and what it means to them. It doesn't have to be the dictionary definition that is memorized. It has to be a meaningful definition to them so they understand how the word relates in context. And then finally, we need to have the spelling or, or the print representation of the word integrated with the pronunciation and the meaning of the word for the word to become orthographically mapped. So when we're working with beginning readers and just teaching them learning to read and decode, the vast majority of the words we should be working with are real words and not pseudo words and real words that are part of the individual's vocabulary already. So they should know the pronunciation of the word. They should know the meaning of the word. And as we are introducing the spelling of the word or the print form of the word, they are slowly able to integrate this together in order to orthographically map the word. Now, the way that we do this and the way that we teach them how to read and getting them to focus on the letters of the word, helping them decode the word and blend those sounds together, allow them to say with the word pot, go from p to blend those sounds together to form pot, they recognize the pronunciation of the word that they just pronounced and are able to associate it with the meaning of the pot that mommy uses to make dinner on the stove with. And after they have repeated exposures to this, they are able to recognize that these go together and create that one place in their brain to store that so that when they come across it, they can instantly recognize that P-O-T spells pot. 
Now, what we want to do with the amalgamation theory is have them connect the words on the page to the phonemes, or the, the pronunciation of the words and the uh, meaning of the word. So I have this little image. Now in my course, uh, Reading Development Display, and I go into this in more detail, and I also talk about the um, conceptualization of the assembly of demons, where um, I read about this in uh, Dr. Stanis Lahan's book, and I cannot remember who came up with this at this very moment, but it's like there's a little demon in your head that is dedicated for a word. And I couldn't find very good demons. So I decided to go with the gremlins uh, when I created the slides. So I called, uh, that's why you see a gremlin with the words. So this little gremlin is the little demon or the gremlin that is learning how to amalgamate the knowledge that it has for the word bead. So this gremlin can say the word bead and he has an idea of the meaning of the word bead so if you if you aren't able to see the slide that I have presented, there's a little gremlin uh, and you can see that he's speaking the word bead. So he knows how it says or how it sounds. The pronunciation is there. So we've checked that off. We can give it a one. He knows that bead is bead. When you say the word bead, he recognizes it. It's part of his vocabulary because he knows that we're talking about beads that you can put together on a string they're they're a shape with a hole in the middle and you can thread them he's got that conceptualization and this doesn't have to be a sorry an expressive vocabulary word in the sense that they can explain it to you and use it correctly in sentences they just need to have a receptive understanding of the word so they can understand what a bead is to orthographically map it is good enough, not necessarily to give a nice dictionary definition of it when you're asking for it, as long as they have a good understanding internally of what the word means and how it's used, then the orthographic mapping is possible. Now, this little gremlin uh, is just learning how to read, and we are introducing the grapheme phoneme correspondences, but so far hasn't had the exposure to the spelling of the word, so they haven't been able to amalgamate the spoken word to the meeting and the spelling. So we then introduce the spelling B-E-A-D. And at this point, the little gremlin knows that E-A grapheme represents the E phoneme. So they are able to sound this word out, B-E-D, and blend it together as bead. After they do this several times, they are able to orthographically map the word by connecting the pronunciation of the word bead to the meaning that they have and the spelling of the word. Now, this is awesome. This is our goal. We want the individual to be able to link the meaning with the spelling and the pronunciation in order to orthographically map this word. Now, orthographically mapping words is a difficult process in the beginning. It takes time. And as we gain experience, it becomes a, a more rapid process. And 
as individuals become proficient readers, they may only need a couple exposures before they orthographically map the word. And this is excellent because it would be very tiresome and cognitively demanding if you had to decode each word several times before you orthographically mapped it. When we're looking at students who struggle with reading, they need those repeated exposures to orthographically map the word. And unfortunately, there's nothing that we can do to speed it up. Now, another thing to recognize is that when we're looking to individuals who speak English as an additional language, they need to also map the word to recognize how it relates to a word in their heritage language or their, their first language and make the association that they understand that whatever bead is in their language means the same thing as what bead, the pronunciation of bead in their second language is associated with bead in their first language. So if I were to say, have the word hello, and I was an English language learner, and French was my first language, and I, I'm mapping hello, I need to recognize that the word hello is the same as the word bonjour in French. And I need to make that connection in my brain and recognize that it has the same meaning. It has different pronunciations for the same word in the different languages, and that the spelling is going to be different for words. Now, one thing that happens as we increase our reading ability and become more proficient readers, we build our vocabulary through reading and reading books that have words that are not part of our vocabulary. So we are having to decode the word, figure out what it says, and have a best guess of how to pronounce it based on the information we know about pronunciation of the word. We also need to learn how to gather meaning from the text around it to complete that conceptualization. So even though we have the spelling of the word, we don't necessarily have the pronunciation and the meaning at our disposal at first, and we need to gather that information. So we need to have the skills to do this. And that again is something that through time and experience develops. And I feel that if we recognize the different elements of the simple view of orthographic mapping and use them when we are trying to assess why a child is struggling to read a word, it can help inform how we can support their development and help them map the word. When we look at words that are not as phonetically regular, especially some of the ones that have those morpheme bases and those, I don't know, tricky spelling patterns, if we help build the recognition for why a word is spelled that way and show how the meaning is related to the morphology, which is we can see in the spelling, 
we're going to help solidify that orthographic mapping. Orthographic mapping needs practice. And as we do it more consistently, we become better at it. I hope in the next week or two to have a blog article associated with this episode, going into more detail and more of the background into the simple view of orthographic mapping and providing you more information. If you are wanting to do that deep dive into orthographic mapping and understanding at a deeper level, Dr. Carolyn Strom has an excellent uh, video that you can watch and I highly recommend it. And if you want to know more of that neurological basis of orthographic mapping, it is a great place to start. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you are wondering what to do next, make sure you take a moment to follow Garforth Education on social media. Like, share, comment, subscribe, and ask questions about the episode to help get it out there and me understand what else I should help uh, get out there on our upcoming episodes. Now, the website is www.garfortheducation.com slash podcast. And if you are wanting to know more, I recommend taking a look at my course, Reading Development Explained. You can get more information about Reading Development Explained at the garfortheducation.com. And this course takes you through uh, learning how to read and going into ways that we can promote orthographic mapping, as well as several of the other essential parts of becoming a proficient reader. Take care and have a great day.